Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh boy, the Champions League is perfectly poised after the first leg of the quarterfinals and a breathless game between Bayern Munich, the holders, and PSG last season's runners-up. The Parisians got the win away 3-2 on the road, just like Chelsea did as well, a 2-0 victory over Porto. We'll talk about both of those games and look ahead to both the Europa League and the Premier League coming up on the pot. Hello again and welcome to the Match Day edition of the Gagan Pod. It is great to have you with us as always. I'm Richard Bayless and joining me today on the podcast, our sports editor Dave Weiner, along with two legends of the game, Thomas Sorensen and John Aloisi. Good morning to you all. Hello to you all, whatever time of the day you're listening to this. We're all delirious after two days of Champions League, but it's been good fun, Johnny, and we've seen all four teams emerge victorious. No draws, which is what we love about knockout football when we get it. Let's talk about Bayern Munich and PSG. Undead Undoubtedly, the game of the quarterfinals so far. That was just sensational. The actual intensity and the way that uh, Bayern Munich were playing and uh, and the high level of pressure they were putting PSG under. But uh, PSG got off to the perfect start when uh, Neymar slid through Mbappe. And, uh, you know, Mbappe again, away from home last time at the new Camp. Three goals, two goals this morning. It was such a good match to watch. So entertaining end-to-end. You know, so much talk as well about the fact there was no Robert Lewandowski for Bayern Munich, no Marco Verratti, no Mario Accardi. You just forget about the fact that you've got Neymar, the assistant goal-scoring king from Brazil, and Kylian Mbappe. 32 goals now in all competitions this season. It's a it's a shame in a way that this wasn't the final at the end of last season, Thomas. I mean, it was in terms of the teams, but not in terms of the style of game. The amount of pressure that PSG had to put up with and being able to break at the other end at speed, it was phenomenal. Just the efficiency of, of the few times they actually broke through the press because, you know, Johnny, you said uh, Bayern were really, really impressive how, how they were stuck to, to the midfielders of, of uh, PSG. They, they couldn't turn with the ball, couldn't get out, and that just mounted to a lot of pressure. But, uh, you know, the game plan worked perfectly, probably in contrast to the final where, you know, they didn't convert those chances and Bayern ran away with the win and the Coleman goal. But, uh, um, but, but today, you know, that early mistake from, from Neuer... Great build-up, obviously, but but that just set the tone that uh, it was going to be PSG's day. Yeah, so he makes the mistake, Neuer. Inside three minutes, it's 1-0 PSG. Inside half an hour, it's 2-0 PSG, Dave, when Marquinhos, the uh, man who did it last year in the quarterfinals against Atalanta, pops up uh, with the second. I know you love the story of the game. The story was it was the only two time they, times they looked like scoring. They were battered otherwise in that first half of so the hour. what was the stat at that point? 12-2 in terms of shots and 2-0 to PSG. You mentioned the last year's final what was the difference Neuer making those huge saves in the final and then that early one in today and uh, Marquinhos 
he, he has scored lots of goals in the, in, in the Champions League. So um, he's a clutch player. Unfortunately for them, he did go off straight after that. But it was almost, it was the complete contrast to what Pochettino and PSG have been struggling with in France. They got to play on the counter. They got to use Mbappe and Neymar to hit Bayern on the break. And as a result, we got, as neutrals, an absolutely exhilarating contest. And you know what's crazy as well? Marquinhos scores. He goes off a couple of minutes later injured, so PSG make a sub. Bayern made two first-half subs, Johnny. I've never seen that happen before. Sula went off, Goretzka. Well, there you go. Three's never happened in the first half. I knew you'd clarify it, Dave. Yeah, it never (laughs) happened before. Bayern Munich made two changes. Who knows what that means going forward in terms of their makeup? Maybe they'll be losing Sula and Goretzka next week as well for the return leg. And they go at the other end and score, so it's 2-1 in the first half. That... that 45 minutes, I don't know if it felt like it went for 10 minutes or 10 hours. It had everything. It did have everything. And we spoke about the pressure of Bayern Munich and, and the way that they didn't allow Paris Saint-Germain to really get out. And the two times they did get out, they scored those goals. But um, also, the, 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 when they were actually shifting the ball, they were shifting it with pace and that beautiful cross from Pavard for Chupamotang, it... Um, it Bayern Munich get bodies into the box. They've always got four or five bodies in the box, and it was very hard for PSG to defend. They got that goal. They deserve to get back into the game. Um, and, you know, it, it made for an even in more enthralling second half. But uh, the only thing that Bayern probably didn't have this morning was to make those changes up front to give them a bit more freshness the last 15, 20 minutes because they didn't really have any attacking players on the bench. Lewandowski out, Gnabry out. Um, but, you know, I, I thought Sane was good and... Uh, Muller pops up in the second half to, to equalise um, yeah, another great header. Yeah, only seven players on the bench for Bayern Munich, where PSG had their full 12, which is an outrageous number. But then again, five subs, why not? Muller, like you say, got them back into it. You actually predicted that. I think off camera, though, so it probably doesn't count. You were saying uh, there's another goal here for Bayern Munich. Uh, Thomas Muller's going to score, but no one else heard it, Thomas, so it doesn't really count. So, Johnny, uh, apologies about that. And at that point, you thought, okay, 2-2, PSG, they've had their fun. Bayern will probably win this 3 or 4-2. to two, and We did it wasn't- predict as well that PSG were going to win before the game, Thomas. They're not uh, giving us did. credit for that. Rich. You did. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, 2-1, but uh, <laughs> we got that one. Right? Yeah. Well, you're right. We're not giving you credit for it, but you did <laughs> say it, so congratulations. But uh, yeah, it was amazing that, you know, just when you thought, okay, Bayern have got over their wobble, they'll go and win this. Nope. It was PSG and Mbappe again. Yeah, and back back to that game plan and, and the few times they actually outplayed the press and, and, and Mbappe was was played by Neymar, you know, into a, a one-on-one situation. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's where he's great. Get him into space. And, uh, you know, he, he goes inside. Boateng didn't really, we were talking about after the game, you know, didn't move his feet quick enough and, and, and should have covered that near post space. And, and he actually opens his legs. And, and you've got to give credit to, to Mbappe seeing it and actually just, you know, slotting it in clinically. Boateng became a meme uh, against Lionel Messi a few years back. Surely once you've been taken down like that by a player, you're just thinking in the back of your head when Mbappe's running at you, am I about to be another meme? Maybe not quite, Dave, but you know, still, I don't know how you recover from that. So I walked into the uh, Optus Sport production room after the game and said, do you guys remember uh, Messi against Boateng? We're on, we're on to it. Don't worry. We've got this. We've got this. It's probably it will, out now, isn't it? It'll be out there already. It's, it's, it's a little bit of fun. It's a little bit cheeky, but that's the theatre of it. We love it. And look, Boateng's not getting any younger, and the mobility, maybe that was why he wasn't there from the get-go this morning. You, you know, that could be a consideration. But Mbappe, I mean, the, I 
Okay, word of the day. I said it on, on the couch. Clutch. You've said it twice moment. on the pod, by the way. I don't know if you... Today? Really, yeah, you said it before on the pod. Oh, well, I'm going to have to re-roll the tape and assess that. I don't, I don't believe that. Um, but, but how amazing. And, and it's away from home, does it. More goals or assists, does it. We are blessed with what we see with these guys at this level. And he is, he spoke about it before the game, he is as determined as Paris Saint-Germain as, is as the club to get this holy grail. He wants the Champions League more than anything. Well, that's the question. And we actually spoke about it pre-game as well because we heard Mbappe talking about what he's achieved with France already, you know, a World Cup winner at the age of 19. You know, he's won French titles. He'll win more French titles if he stays at PSG. Is this the club where he will win the Champions League? They're in a good position here, but they were as well, Johnny, in the round of 16 and almost threw it away against Barcelona. We've seen they've been close, not quite getting there over the past few years. Is this where Mbappe lifts this trophy or does he need to move? No, I think he can lift it there at uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Thomas spoke about it earlier. It's a good opportunity to, to beat Bayern Munich because of Lewandowski being out and and just the way that uh, Paris Saint-Germain set up against a team like that because because Bayern Munich defends so high with the likes of Mbappe, Di Maria, Neymar picking up the ball and playing those through balls, you, you knew that they could hurt them. Um, are they good enough this season to go all the way? Well, you think that if they do get through, they'll have to play a Manchester City. Yeah, we, we believe they'll probably beat Dortmund. Not 100% sure because Dortmund were very good yesterday. Um, but I think he can. But I still think he will end up moving because to be a Ballon d'Or winner, I think he needs to go to a, a, a Spanish league or uh, and maybe the Premier League. And, and hearing his English after the game, mm. how good was it? Mm. Is, he, is he already practising to go to the Premier League, do you think? Did, maybe you actually or? thought it was a translator. I, I, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I was like shocked. He had a bit of an American accent at one stage. I, I think that's that's going to be a big talking point going forward. He's, he's English. English. He's English. <laughs> well, I'd like to know what his Spanish is like because I think John might be onto something there as well because I think going to the end of the Champions League business end, the Euros he's going to be right in that conversation with Haaland with Kane what happens with these domino chess pieces what happens if it's a Madrid PSG in the final where does he go after that you know that's all going to be up, up in the air uh, in the next few weeks but just the extension of the Mbappe question I just want to ask you, you talked about the perfect situation for, for PSG is it a matter of the fact that they can play on the counter because let's look at some of the games they've struggled with Nantes Lille Lorient I know Lille are obviously doing unbelievably, but is the difference that it was just a perfect scenario for them where they get to play on the counter? Yeah, I think it suited them. It suited them like it suited uh, against Barcelona at the new Camp, um, that they were able to play on the counter. And that really helps uh, Mbappe. With that space, with his pace, he's able to hurt uh, the defenders and, and the opposition. You know, there was, a, there was a great, and it was probably a meme as well, when PK was trying to grab hold of him because he just couldn't catch him. Mm. And, uh, and, and I think it will be no different in Paris, Bayern Munich don't know how to play any other way. They're going to play on the front foot. They're going to de- defend high. They're going to put pressure on the opposition, uh, on Paris Saint-Germain. And you think that if uh, PSG can do what they did this morning and just outplay that initial press, they'll get opportunities again. A little bit later on in the podcast, I'm going to ask you guys for your predictions. We've seen the four quarterfinals so far. I want you to look ahead and tell us who goes through to the semifinals. But, Thomas, let's move on to the other game we saw on Thursday morning, Australian time. Porto nil, Chelsea 2 in Seville. The second leg will also be played on neutral territory in Spain next week. Chelsea are in a great position, and they needed it because, you know, despite the great start they had under Thomas Tuchel, won an absolute abomination at the weekend, and the knives and the questions come out. So it was good from their perspective to just get the job done. 
Yeah, I thought it was a clinical performance. I think there was a few moments in the first half where they were under the caution and Porto threw uh, a, a bit at them. And uh, I think, uh, you know, a, a corner nearly creeped in at the, at, at the near post. But other than that, I think they were clinical. And, and, and the, the, the goal for Mason Mount, I think, was, was fantastic, how he took it. Uh, his first touch, just a pirouette and, and then clinical finish in, in the far corner. So, you know, from then on, I think they were in control. They looked solid with with the new with the backline or the the former backline with with Christensen and and Rudiger and uh, Aspilicueta, so um, you know back to clean sheets and I think that's where they've been really strong. We've got our own resident Chelsea fan, of course, on the podcast in Dave Weiner. That Mount goal, Thomas mentions it. I mean the turn, phenomenal. The shot was good, although maybe some question marks over the goalkeeping. Put that aside for a moment. As a Blues fan, when you see a player like Mount, not only do that, but continue to score goals of that quality at his age. Well, I've seen you jump off your seat watching it. It must be quite a feeling. It was exhilarating. I think, yeah, we'll, we'll brush aside. There was some great insight on the couch from you, Thomas, about the goalkeeping for that. But the fact was Mount put himself in that position. The only shot of the half at Chelsea that tells the story of the half. They did have to absorb pressure. And he is a kid who, you know, Chelsea have gone out and signed big, Everyone talks about he was Frank Lampard's teacher's pet. He has withstood all of that, grown as a player over the last two years to be possibly one of the first pick for England, indispensable for Chelsea in every big game, a joy to watch, and not only now someone that can dictate games, a person that can turn a game in a beat. So I think it's absolutely fantastic. You love to see someone come through. You love to see someone come through and then, and then hold his own there. And I thought he was a stark contrast today to Havertz and Werner, who were picked for their mobility, for their movement. And he's a kid who's been there all along, who, let's face it, he was on another level. Yeah, and he has been all season. And um, what I loved about, you know, we, we spoke about Mbappe's interview, how he was he's confident, but he's humble. Well, Mason Mount's very similar in terms of, he, he's very confident in his ability, but he's also, he, he talks about working at his game, working on his finishing. He, he knows he can improve that. He, he wants to be that 10-goal midfielder, 10-goal-plus midfielder for Chelsea. And I, I believe he can be, because he's got that ability to get into good positions. He's, he's good at his finishing. I will say, his finish was good this morning. wasn't outstanding. I think the goalkeeper Marches. What's his name again? Marcheson. Yep, Marcuson. Marcuson. Okay. <laughs> He's, where is he from? Uh, Choose your own adventure, there, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was poor goalkeeping, but he, all he can do was hit the target and he put it in. And Ben Chilwell got the second in the second half. Dave mentioned the XG expected goals for Chelsea in the first half, 0.05. Might have only been slightly more in the second half. Christian Pulisic hit the crossbar. Havertz went wide, although it was offside in the build-up. But the goal came from Chilwell. He did a good job, although it was a a defensive mistake from Jesus Corona in the build-up. You sense that unless they have some serious injury concerns against Palace on the weekend and they completely fall in a heap like they did against West Brom, they've got enough Chelsea because Porto probably don't, you think, Thomas? Yeah, they'll have a couple of players back at Oliveira. I think it's hugely important uh, from suspension and, and Taremi. So that'll give him a bit more. Um, but then Chelsea can put Kante in there. You know, he was on the bench today, but hopefully he'll, you know, he'll be fit for them. And and just having him control that midfield in front of the back three will, will uh, I think make it make the difference. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. More on Chelsea in a moment because we will talk about the Premier League games coming up. But for now... Right, EO, then give us an answer. It is prediction time. We've seen the four quarterfinal first legs being played. We're going to go through one by one, and you guys need to try to stick to the rules of the game, which is just one-word answers, please, unless the team name has two or three words, in which case you get a free pass. Let's start with Real Madrid and Liverpool, and what you need to do is tell us, having seen the first leg, what happens over the aggregate score. Who goes through based on what you've seen so far? Real Madrid, Liverpool, Thomas. Real Madrid. Um, I can't see Liverpool uh, pulling this one back. The way they're playing, um, you know, had it been last year, the year before, you would have said, yes, they've got a chance. But um, they just looked uh, way out of sorts. Um, Haven't, you know, yeah, I know of late, good win against Arsenal. But other than that, uh, yeah. And again, it's not Anfield. It's not a full Anfield where you've got those European nights where, you know, it's rocking like it was against Barcelona a, a couple of years ago. Nah, no chance. Um, Real Madrid. How many words was that? 128. <laughs> no, no. Hey, I gave you the one answer first and then I explained it. Okay. Did we have to explain? <laughs> no, no, because Thomas has explained for everybody. That's okay. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Uh, John, what are you thinking? Real Madrid. Dave. Madrid. One word. Oh, Ooh, very good. Okay, Atleti right. fans will not be happy with that. I will say... Liverpool. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But you're not allowed to explain, so we'll move on. Exactly. No, but do they have it? Do they have it in there? If they score that? early, oh, they definitely have it in them because they they've got the players still that uh, that can actually turn a game on its head. Salah, Mane, you know, Jota, who's been in good goal scoring form. But I just think, like Thomas said, without that Anfield crowd to push them over the line when they really need it, and I I don't see Real Madrid. Folding That's like it. that and crumbling yeah. under pressure yeah. because they've got those experienced players in midfield that make a yeah. massive difference. Two, two nil will do it, obviously, because of the yeah. away goal. If they score early, you sense anything could happen like it did against Barcelona. I'm just saying it to be different from you guys. <laughs> okay. I, I think it's more about Madrid, actually. Uh, Liverpool might go do that, but I think Madrid, they know how to win at this level. They know what to do to get enough done. But we'll, we'll probably all three be wrong. The thing, football, as we know, a week is a long time. Barcelona are playing Real Madrid in their Clasico. Madrid lose that. All of a sudden, there's a different sort of pressure building on them because then they need to get through against uh, Liverpool or else their season's done. And if Liverpool break their losing record at Anfield this weekend against Aston Villa, maybe they say, hey, what hoodoo? We can win here again. Yep. Who knows? Rightio, then give us an answer. Borussia Dortmund 1, Manchester City 2. Who comes through this one? Thomas? Manchester City. City. City, but Dortmund was so much better than most people thought they were going to be yesterday. I only one team can go through, Dave, but that's a, they get a consolation prize. Well you done, know I love a consolation prize, so I just had to add that in. Indeed, we've all got them from time to time. I think Manchester City as well. Right, EO, then give us an answer. Porto and Chelsea. It can only be Chelsea. 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 Yeah, with a big smirk on his face, Dave Weiner. Just on that, Dave, do you get excited watching Chelsea now? Are they boring to watch for you, or you just want them to win? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, John. (laughs) 
They got a blue shirt on, so Dave just <laughs> loves it. And to be fair, I well, have today they were wearing the Crystal Palace kit. Oh, yeah, true. Were, yeah. To be fair, I have lived through Jose at Chelsea, so I've been I've been prepared for this. Yeah, yeah, okay. but Jose Chelsea era was not as bad as Jose Tottenham era. No, the second spell had some interesting moments, mm, no doubt. Rightio, then give us an answer. Final one: Bayern Munich two, PSG three. Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich. PSG. Okay. I'm tempted actually, to make it 2-2, two, two, but I, actually, no, I'll, I'll go, go Bayern. I'll, yeah, no, I'll go back on that. I'll okay. go back. I think Lewandowski's too much of a loss for them. I, I actually think PSG, I think Neymar and Mbappe again will stand up. All I had to say was PSG to convince John. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. yeah Three yeah. away goals as well. If I, Bayern Munich win 1-0, it won't be enough. No. Yeah, I, the thing is why I said Bayern Munich, I'm just too used to saying Bayern all the time because they've just been so good. But I think that it's very, very hard. I don't think – who's won back-to-back Champions League titles? Mm. Real Madrid. Mm. Real Madrid. The uh, quite a few times, actually. Yeah, yeah. Real Madrid, bet, um, Champions League of the modern era in terms of the not the old European Cup. I think Real Madrid are the only mm. club to have done so. And by the way, who would you rather be if, you, if Manchester City? Would you rather play Bayern or PSG? You'd rather play PSG. Yeah, for sure. PSG. Okay. On Friday morning, Australian time, we turn our attention to the Europa League. Quick preview of the games coming up. Manchester United travel to Granada for the first leg in Spain. If they throw it away at this point, all that negativity around Solskjaer will absolutely come back in a heartbeat, Thomas, because they are overwhelming favourites to win this one and probably top line of betting when it comes to winning this competition. Yeah, and there should be. I think they've got enough. Um, you know, And even looking at the teams that are left, you know, you know, there's not a huge team. I know the Ajax are in there, Roma in there, uh, Arsenal. Um, but it should be teams that Man United, uh, you know, not comfortably, but, but should be able to beat. And Granada on paper is, is a must win, I think. As for Ajax and Roma, Johnny, that's a great tire. I wonder, do the Agnelli see these two teams as being, you know, in the frame to qualify for the next type of Champions League we get? Because they are old school big clubs, aren't they? And you'd love to see them play in a final. Not the case. It's a quarter. Which way do you see it going? Uh, look, I think Ajax will have too much. Um, Roma are a very good side. They've, they've been doing well the last couple of seasons in, in Serie A. Uh, they're a good side to watch, but I think Ajax will have way too much for them. Do they nearly delay their plan if Juventus come fifth this year? Or they won this morning, <laughs> well, Dave. Yeah, they beat Napoli. I know, yeah. it's huge, huh? No, the plan goes in quicker, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, a good, it's a good question. If they miss out on the Champions League next year, it might be the only time for the rest of time that they miss out on the Champions League. Uh, Dave, Arsenal would love to be back there. They won't be in there as a result of finishing fourth or higher in the Premier League. They need to win the Europa League to stand any chance. But they're at home to a Slavia Prague team that knocked out both Rangers and Leicester. Considering the way they played against Liverpool, what happens here? This is a really tricky tie. And thankfully for Arsenal, they've, they've done well in the Europa League for most part of the last couple of years. But with the pressure that's on Arteta at the moment to prove himself, particularly given his record, everyone says give him time, but his record head-to-head with Emery now is not great, given the same amount of time they both had. Um, the Europa League is of the utter importance. and I, I can't fathom, as good as Sparta have been against those two teams, I can't fathom the fallout fall if they do go out at this stage. The final one as well, Dinamo Zagreb and Via Real. Via Real, are they Emery. back, Johnny? Yes, they are back. They've got a good side. Uh, Gerard has actually really, you know, he's come of age in terms of front of goals. Um, I actually think that uh, Emery's proving, I think he was harshly treated at mm. Arsenal. 
I, I think he was because you know there's there's a lot more of an underlying problem at Arsenal that they're trying to and now they're saying they're trying to get their culture right. Mm. I think um, Emery, given a little bit more time, he probably would have turned it around and 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 started pushing for Champions League again. Um, and I think he's doing that at Villarreal. Don't underestimate the giant killers of Dinamo Zagreb. They knocked out Tottenham. Can they do it again? And the other thing with Emery is imagine if he gets to the final or the semis in this competition. He's the goat of the Europa League. Yeah. Yeah, he is. With what he did with Sevilla and he got Arsenal to the final too. Yeah. The goat of the Europa League. Is that a thing you want to be? Did you say goats <laughs> or go to? Goat. <laughs> Both. <laughs> so clubs just sign him to win the Europa League yep. maybe. Clutch manager in the Europa League, I reckon. Dave. Oh. Yep. Let's talk about the Premier League coming up this weekend. It starts in the early hours of Saturday morning. Fulham at home to Wolves. You just feel like Fulham's time is is running out. They're running out of runway a little bit when it comes to this, Thomas, because you can say till you're blue in the face that Newcastle are an awful team, but if Fulham don't pick up results, there's no point having the conversation. They've been in the bottom three for so long and they haven't won now in a while as well. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, you're looking at the three late goals uh, against Villa. Um, you know, so, yeah, they're running out of opportunities. And, and you look at, at Wolves, it should be a, a game that they you know, we'll have a, a decent chance of three points uh, uh, at home at, at Craven Cottage. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I actually fancied them in this one. I think Wolves have, you know, they've been a bit, a bit up and down. You know, they haven't scored a lot of goals um, and, and uh, they're missing Jimenez, I think, up front. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm confident they can get points. Will it be enough? You know, that's the, that's the question. Some interesting rumours around Wolves at the moment. The fact that maybe Adama Traore, Pedro Neto and Ruben Neves are all being linked away so they can do a, a clean out and a freshen up. I, I don't know if there's enough behind that, but certainly, generally speaking, there's fire beneath the smoke when it comes to those types of rumours. Moving on to Manchester City and Leeds, early hour of Saturday night. This is a great time. 9.30pm Australian Eastern Standard Time, Dave. 8pm pre-game show, 90 minutes. Beautiful. Football's back in primetime on Saturday night. And this game, as described by Kyle Walker, being a basketball game, the last time the sides met at Ellen Road, this one should be quite entertaining. Yeah, it'd be great Saturday night entertainment, as it will be uh, pick your pep 11 bingo beforehand to try to see who he rolls out. But no matter who he does roll out, they'll be uh, that'll be an incredible 11. But I, I love these two teams going against each other because you know Pep uh, will go for it. Um, as a Leeds fan, are you in that sort of in-between stage right now where safety is, you know, you're feeling safe, you can't really go much more? What do you do at this stage of the year? Just look to, to, to you know, build on the momentum of, of the first year? How do, how do you want to approach it as a Leeds fan? Every spot you go up the ladder or down, you either add or lose about two and a half million pounds. So for a club like Leeds, the financials are important. They lost 66 million pounds last season while they're in the Premier League and financially now they're okay. The difference between ninth and 12th is quite important. So you obviously want to finish well, but the next three games, Manchester City, Liverpool and Manchester United. So maybe ask me after those three. But they'll have a crack. They will absolutely have a crack and have nothing to lose. In but what it time. does as well is actually uh, create more interest in terms of what players they can bring in. The higher mm. they finish, yep. you think that they'll be able to attract more mm. players because they're not a team then that's just you know happy to be mid-table. They're a team that might want to push for Europa League or a little bit higher. So I think that uh, Leeds, it's important that they've got nothing to lose, you know, by giving it a, a crack against, a, you know, a, a good side. But um, no one, Bielsa, he's going to go all out. 
Absolutely. He will, but if you offered any fan before the season, here are 42 points with eight games to go, they would have absolutely snapped your hand off because they are safe. They will be in the Premier League next season. So too will both Aston Villa and Liverpool, of course, although depending on where they finish uh, will be interesting because Liverpool, while they've still got a sniff of the top four, the form of West Ham around them and Chelsea hopefully getting back to winning ways from their perspective, will make it hard if you don't beat Aston Villa. As a Villa old boy, you must have been absolutely frothing when you saw smash Liverpool 7-2 earlier in the season. Do it again, you reckon? Uh, no, but <laughs> any win will be, be uh, welcome. I think, you know, it was a good confidence boost uh, how they turned it around after Mink's mistake uh, against Fulham. And, uh, you know, Grealish, it's still a question mark. You know, he, he's out, uh, you know, again, with a reoccurrence of his shin injury. So that that... I think that's going to be important, uh, you know, for when he comes back and, and also for, for obviously his prospects of, of the Euros. Um, but, you know, this one, I, it, it's, it's going to, you know, I, I, I want to take my Villa shirt on and, and, and believe, but uh, I still think Liverpool have enough. So Liverpool in the early hours of Sunday morning. Crystal Palace then host a Chelsea side. Chelsea looking to get back to Spain and uh, not too... Uh, banged up, if you like, from a London derby where you wouldn't expect them to have too many issues. But, hey, we said that and a lot more before the West Brom game. Uh, Burnley and Newcastle is a game that we'll mention. But now let's mention West Ham and Leicester, uh, if we shall chance, because that should be one of the games of the weekend. What an opportunity for both teams, Johnny. West Ham now in the top four. Leicester, they're just about holding on into that third spot third spot but it's not yet done huge ramifications for anyone that wins this yeah massive game look West Ham have been entertaining to watch they've been picking up points they believe they can make the top four they're they're, they're going to push for the top four and if they do get the win against Leicester then they're only one point behind them and then Leicester starts to get a little bit nervy because there's other uh, teams behind that are trying to catch up look I, I actually um you look at the, the attacking power of West Ham in Lingard, Bowen, Fornells, Antonio, who might be out injured, but uh, when he's uh, playing, you know, he causes problems. And then in the midfield, Declan Rice is going to be a big loss for him. But you still think that they're, they're a side that are pretty well balanced and they could actually give Leicester a difficult game. I love the idea that Mark Noble, you know, club legend, club captain, been around forever, seen literally everything at a couple of stadiums for that club in a couple of different divisions. He could come in, fill the void for Declan Rice and be the hero that gets them over the line. And I tell you what, the, the run home they've got, Destiny's in their hands. They've got two six-pointers. They've got Chelsea and they have Leicester. And the rest of the teams are mainly bottom half. So uh, they are really amazingly close to pulling off what would be an incredible coaching feat by David Moyes. Dave, how close to the sack really is Jose Mourinho? Because ahead of Spurs against Manchester United, a fixture in which Spurs won 6-1 earlier in the season at Old Trafford, the negativity around a side that are just a couple of points out of the top four, it's astounding, isn't it? Like, realistically, where does he need to finish? Where does that side need to place at the end of the season for him legitimately to lose his job? Because most Spurs fans I speak to cannot stand what's going on. Uh, like the, the big question mark or narrative is, does Daniel Levy measure it by the League Cup? Like, is that going to keep him there if he gets that trophy? They can still make Europe. But I think maybe will it come down to, it's actually coming down to Harry Kane v Jose Mourinho. If it's a matter of Kane going, I'm going to pledge my future to this club, but I don't want to play this, this, this whatever this is that they're playing. Um, that may be the catalyst. I don't know. And I've, there's a few reports going around now that maybe sacking Mourinho isn't going to be as expensive as you might think from outside in but it's all paper talk you can't you know you can't really 
know from from here, but you'd think maybe the contract would be the biggest impediment to him keep like Spurs being able to get rid of him. Would would you guys want? Would you guys keep him? Oh, if he makes Champions League football, you'd keep him. And he's only three points behind. And and you, you can't put it past Mourinho in, in terms of what he's done in the past that he can still achieve that and 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 still win the Carabao Cup. I look. If he doesn't, if he doesn't, we don't know what his uh, KPIs were before the season started or when he signed the contract. I'm pretty sure they would have been Champions League football. So if they don't qualify, you you think they'll get rid of mm. him? And I don't. I I still think that even if they do get rid of Mourinho, I'm not totally convinced that Kane will stay. I think Kane now looks at either I'm going to be a club legend, which I'm pretty sure that he is already. Mm. Or I'm going to go away and win something because I need to. I, I want to be playing Champions League finals on a regular basis. I want to be winning titles on a, or at least competing to win a title. Really, doesn't matter who Tottenham bring in, whether it's Nagelsmann or. Do you think they're really going to challenge for the title with that squad? I don't see it. The interesting thing, uh, if you haven't seen it on the Optusport app, is from Schwartz. Mark Schwartz, obviously, he he's a massive advocate for Jose. He defends him for everything. But what he did say here is this idea that Schwartz, uh, that Jose, when he comes out and says the players aren't listening, because we sit down and watch, we go, is he really sending them out every week to sit on their on their box? And then Jose comes out afterwards and says, uh, the players aren't following my instructions. And Schwartz's interpretation of it, it's all on the Optusport app or on the Two Shepherd podcast, is that. Mourinho does his tactics on the pitch. The players aren't listening if that's how they're going out and doing that. Well, let's see what happens against his former side. As we mentioned before, they won 6-1 earlier in the season. Spurs have never done the double over Manchester United in the Premier League era and no side over the two fixtures in the Premier League against Manchester United have scored more than seven goals. If if Tottenham scored twice, they will have broken the record. So for all the negativity, they're on the verge of history, this side managed by Jose Mourinho. Elsewhere to finish the round, Sheffield United at home to Arsenal early Monday morning. West Brom against Southampton comes live to you on Tuesday before Brighton at home to Everton. Brighton, just about safe. A little bit unlucky against Manchester United. Everton, highly inconsistent and probably not inspiring too many people at this point. That's it for us, Thomas. More of the same next week? Yeah, hopefully. More excitement. I'm sure we will get, especially in the in the Paris game and uh, maybe Man City as well. Yeah, maybe. Well, we've made our predictions and you can't be wrong now because if <laughs> Man City don't win four trophies, you'll never be invited on again. Oh, okay, the pressure's on. <laughs> Gents, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, over this podcast, over the last few days, uh, look forward to hearing your thoughts again next week when we know the makeup of the final four in the Champions League. For you guys out there listening, it's always a pleasure to have you on board with us. Between now and the next Gagan Pod, enjoy your football. 